Seven seconds or less. This is a podcast about the NBA with a Phoenix Suns focus. My name is Podcast Boy, and I am joined <laughs> as always by my co-host. His name is David Nash. Unless you have a new name now too, David. I do not have a new name, although our good friend Chris Koffel said that I should be down under dude, which I'm happy to embrace. Uh, but I'm glad you started off with that because I was ready to jump in if you didn't introduce yourself <laughs> as Podcast Boy after promising to do so on Twitter. I'm sure everyone listening is up with that story, but we should give them the, the quick backstory that uh, Max was called Podcast Boy by a certain reporter on Twitter when you, uh, let's say, divulged that you didn't think that his sources were too correct from time to time, Max. That's a very euphemistic way to put it. Thank you, David. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I get kind of annoyed when these people on Twitter put out this stuff that I, I don't think is accurate, because as you said, I don't think these sources are always the most accurate for some of these guys. Yep. And uh, the annoying thing is when people, uh, you know, on some Twitter or, you know, any team's Twitter, like, run with these stories and freak out about them and stuff, and it's like, it's certain guys you just need to know they're not as credible as others, and in my opinion... This guy was one of them, so I, I said that to my timeline, and he took offense, and he called me a podcast boy. <laughs> he sure did. I think it's a good point by you. Even the likes of Wodge and Shams get used by agents and stuff to push stories sometimes, but yeah, I think the uh, lesser known ones, uh, not that they don't have sources entirely, I just think their sources have other motivations with uh, feeding these stories to the, the lesser likes, so in tribute to that, we're going to do lots of uh, fake trades in this pod, which you're about to let the listeners know about. But I'm going to uh, tell the listeners that my sources tell me whenever I bring up a trade on this pod and they can decide whether I'm actually uh, plugged in on one of these trades or not, Max. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, I'm not plugged in on any of mine. <laughs> uh, I am not trying to put an eye on sources. I'm just calling out people who don't have them. Uh, but yeah, as you alluded to, David, this is our trade deadline special. Chock full of fake trades for both the Phoenix Suns and the general NBA, focusing on, of course, Anthony Davis, who has demanded a trade, mm -hmm. and Conley and Gasol from Memphis, who uh, haven't demanded trades, but ha has been made known by Memphis that they are available. So we'll get into that later. We're going to start with the Suns. We're going to go through every kind of tradable asset we think they have. Yep. Uh, we're going to go through some fake trades for them, some targets we might like. Uh, I think we both have one sort of you know, kind of off-the-wall trade people aren't thinking about yep. to uh, discuss. So this should be fun, David. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we've mixed up what should be a, a bit of a primer for Suns listeners of, of what to expect at the trade deadline, and then we've had some fun with it as well. But it's been a short week, Max. Uh, the last time we uh, recorded LA game had basically already been played, and then we lost that heartbreaker to San Antonio. And probably by the time 
anyone listens to this pod, the Atlanta game will be over, which I believe you're still going to, Max. So we're 11 and 42 at the moment. Going to put you on the spot here very quickly. Just for anyone listening to this after the Atlanta game has already happened, what's your prediction for that game? My prediction is that uh, DeAndre Ayton will return. Yep. Because I already saw he's probable. Uh, so that's a pretty easy prediction. And I think we'll... You know what? What the hell? Maybe we'll win a game. I, I'll predict that we're going to win. I'll predict that uh, Chris Hansen, who many of you know on Twitter, who I'm going with, uh, will get kicked out of the stadium. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll we'll track for next episode whether one or both of those things happen. You can update us. But let's jump straight in, I reckon. Yeah. So uh, actually, we're going to start with something I haven't even mentioned yet. Uh, and that's the Christos Porzingis trade. Yes. Which was, I would say, shocking. It's fair to say. Would you say, David? Very shocking. I didn't see that coming and, and definitely wouldn't see a trade like that, you know, what was it, a, a week out from the deadline happening that quickly? So, yeah, shocking from both points of view there, I think, Max. Me too. So let me real quick break down off the top of my head what it was. So Porzingis went to Dallas. Yep. Along with, I think, Trey Burke was in the trade and then uh, Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. Exactly. So the, the key thing there is that Hardaway and Lee have uh, extra years on their deals. So that's, this is a salary dump trade for the next mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, going back to New York was Dennis Smith Jr. And then DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews, both of whom expire. Yes. So that's that's the key there. And then also two first-round picks, some complicated protections, but generally they're going to be like 2021, 2023, something like that. Very complicated. For a second there, we thought Atlanta were you know, getting a bonus here by uh, having their 2019 pick totally unprotected, but they've protected against that in a very weird way, which we won't go into. But my first reaction was that Dallas won it easily, Max, before you know all the details came out, as you said, New York on the surface are essentially using Kristaps as a salary dump. Although, you know, with the firsts added later in, in the news coming, it, it did look a little bit better. And I probably, I got to a point where I, you know, very rarely get to this point, but kind of like it for both teams. What what was your thoughts? So for New York, I'm really hoping they have some intel. They're going to get some guys this summer. Because <laughs> yeah. if they don't get anybody this summer, I think this is a pretty colossal failure. Yeah. And then for Dallas... It's interesting. I, I mean, obviously, I think this is something you do, but I'm not sure it's such a slam dunk uh, that some people are making it out to be. Some people are telling me that, you know, this is like the be- one of the best trades of all time. Dallas is now like one of the biggest contenders in the West going forward. You know, maybe if Christoph Persingas stays healthy and stays with the team, that's another part we haven't mentioned yet is that, you know, there's some question if he'll even stay with the team. Yep. Uh, he's going to sign a one-year deal for a small amount, he's saying, so we'll see. But, but here's kind of the... The way I look at it as a negative for Dallas, mm-hmm. and this is kind of devil's advocate because I do like it, it's that this, it's, you have Luka Doncic, right? Mm-hmm. And going forward, it's really all you have in your roster. You don't have any long-term contracts that are going to saddle you or anything like that. You have a lot of picks other than that one pick protection for the, the Atlanta pick. That's that's the only thing you're giving away. So you're, you're kind of giving yourself a lot of outs, a lot of uh, ways to build around Doncic, right? Yeah. And now they've kind of... You know, especially if they sign a KP to a max, they've kind of, you know, they made their shot here, you know, and it's, it's a gamble. It's more of a gamble than people are making it out to be, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we saw very quick reactions that, that Dallas had, had hit it out of the park and, you know, already showing pictures of a young Steve Nash and Dirk Nowinski together and comparing them to, to hmm. Luca and KP. Uh, what I got out of that was, you know, does that mean that Phoenix somehow wind up with Dontich again when Mark Cuban doesn't want to pay him for his next contract if, if he's the Steve Nash in that scenario? So <laughs> Somehow I don't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a little odd, the, the initial reactions. I like it for Dallas. I think 
following a lot of Dallas people on Twitter, I almost think that they're potentially better straight away, even though Chris Stapps probably won't play for the rest of the year. You know, there was a lot of people down on DeAndre Jordan's effort for Dallas and, and Wes's fit in the starting lineup as well. So I don't think that we'll see them all out tank to try and keep that top pick. I think they'll still be pushing for the playoffs. You know, Courtney Lee... Tim Hardaway Jr. and Burke could all contribute towards that. So that'll be really interesting. And then, yeah, it'll be interesting if they go all in on KP and, and Dontich going forward. I think you make a good point with New York is, you know, they must be pretty damn confident of what they're going to be able to do in free agency. And, you know, I guess essentially what they did is they chose two max slots with no Chris Stapps over you know, Chris Stapps being able to attract one max slot player in to play with him. So, yeah, I guess they're essentially banking on those two max slots and, and giving one guy a choice to pick any other person that he wants to come and join him in New York. They're, they're more confident of that, maybe, Max. Yeah, when you frame it that way, it's interesting, right? Because I don't really think Porzingis is attracting any other max players available to you. Exactly. Like, is that, yeah. I don't really see that. No, not and especially not with the injury. So I think yeah. that's where you, where you can justify it from New York's point of view is they're essentially saying we weren't going to get Kevin Durant with the lure of Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and then maybe more moves in the future. Maybe we can get Kevin Durant by saying, hey, you can pick anyone else you want to come and join you right away in New York. Right, that makes sense. And, and then the other thing on this, I saw some criticism for that I think was unfounded uh, for the Knicks was people were like, why are you why are you trading your uh, number one Anthony Davis, you know, trade building block? Mm-hmm. Um, which I even I think I said right when this happened. But I, we found out since then that they, you know, they New York had already made that pitch to New Orleans. And apparently New Orleans just, you know, they're they're psyched out by the injury that they're not interested really in that. Yeah. So once you hear that, that's kind of what his utility was to New York in a lot of ways. Because New York seems like they're not focused on Porzingis. They're focused on getting good now. And so I, th- I think it makes sense from that perspective. But I do want to real quick just make the caveat that I don't I don't hate the seal for Dallas by any means. I think I see the upside for sure. I, if I were running Dallas, I would have done it. Yep. So, you know, because if, if Porzingis returns to where he was and he shakes off these injuries as a lot of young guys, yeah, as they get older, do. Although, you know, Porzingis is not a typical body-framed guy. But just saying he does shake it off and, you know, gets even better, this could be, you know, one of the all-time great trades. Yes, definitely. Which, you know, it, it sounds like New York didn't really shop it around. They they got locked into this deal with Dallas and, and didn't really ask elsewhere. And can I, can uh, I real quick just inter- interject and say why that is unless you're getting there? No, go for it. I think it's because nobody else really had this deal. Yeah. I, it's hard to get that much contract uh, money that's expiring that Dallas had. Mm-hmm. And then also all, get uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. thrown in who obviously still has a ton of potential and talent. <clears throat> if you're going to make this trade, they made it with the best possible partner. Yep. And that probably wraps up my next question very succinctly with, you know, should a Phoenix have got involved or were they even allowed to get involved? You know, we saw a lot of Suns fans on Twitter commenting, you know, yet another star's up for trade and the Suns don't get involved. But, you know, I think we probably weren't given the option to. And then as you just alluded to, probably didn't have the pieces to even get it done anyway. So I think we can move on from that one pretty quickly, Max. Yeah. Even had they kept Tyson Chandler and and Austin Rivers is expiring contracts. It's still not enough, I don't think, right? Because because DeAndre Jordan was twenty ish million plus. Yeah. Uh, and then I think Wesley Matthews is his own, like whatever, twelve to fourteen. So even if they would have kept those guys, 
wouldn't have been enough. I, it's, like I said, very rare to have that much expiring money to trade, and that's why Dallas was uniquely positioned to make this trade. David, you want to move on to the Lonzo Ball rumor? Let's do it. That's a little more Suns heavy, so let's jump into that one before we go into the rest of the Suns content for the episode, Max. Yeah, this is basically our transition to the Suns content, and then we'll, we'll finish it off with a little uh, crazy Lonzo fake trade that I have. But, but first, let's talk about what the rumor is. So we've heard it from, uh, man, I, I'm blanking on the name, but it's like Tanya Galagua, something like that from the Lakers <laughs> beat writer. She was not on my radar until that tweet, so I'm not even going to try and pretend like I know her last name, Max. Uh, fun- funnily enough, I, I only remember her because during the 2017 draft lead-up, I was obsessively following all the Lakers coverage to see whether it was possible Lonzo Ball would fall to us. <laughs> <laughs> and she was one of the people with all the, all the workouts reporting on it. But anyway... Beside the point, she said Blondo obviously does not want to go to New Orleans. He said that uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. And they're apparently, according to two sources, she said, there's some mutual interest in if a Davis trade happens where Lonzo gets moved, the the rerouting be to Phoenix. Yep. David, what, what's your initial reaction to this, both uh, in terms of a feasibility, credibility, and then also if you'd like it or not? I think the story has credibility for sure. You know, this is where you got your reaction out of uh, <laughs> of Amico um, with this trade and, and his, I guess, rebuttal of the mutual interest was essentially what he put out there, which, again what I was saying earlier in the episode, you never know who's feeding what and what their motivations are with that. But if we go with the initial tweet, you know, I can see why Lonzo Ball would actually like to go to a a place like Phoenix. There's a clear open spot as a point guard there. And he may be kind of already over playing back up to guys like Rondo or even, you know, a guy like LeBron, who's very ball dominant. So, you know, I can see the interest in there from him. And as you say, from that draft onwards, there seems to have always been interest from Phoenix uh, and their decision makers in Lonzo Ball. Uh, I think we may have drafted him if we were given the opportunity uh, and he didn't go at number two to the Lakers. So yeah, I think there's a bit of definitely credibility in that mutual interest. And then if you're a Suns fan who's interested in Ball, you should essentially be praying that Davis gets dealt before the deadline. Mm -hmm. It may not mean that Phoenix gets him. He may still wind up in New Orleans because, you know, we should point out he's not really in a position of leverage to really say, I don't want to go to New Orleans. If the Lakers can get Anthony Davis and can do it by sending him to the Pelicans, they're going to do that. But, you know, you you're probably looking at having to put a package together that convinces New Orleans that they're better off with the assets from the Suns than uh, taking on a guy like Ball who's not going to be happy there. So, yeah, if you're a Suns fan, you should be uh, hoping that Davis gets traded to the Lakers before the deadline if you want Lonzo Ball, I think, Max. Hold that thought because uh, in a little bit here, I have a trade for you where I think New Orleans gets well compensated. (laughs) All right, well, yeah. My note there is you've got to overpay, so I'll be interested to see what you've put together. Uh, And you did put a poll up on Twitter to try and gauge, I suppose, what the general Suns consensus feeling would be around uh, trading for Lonzo. But maybe we should talk just very briefly about what you're getting from Lonzo Ball or, or what we think you would be getting and why we're, I think, both quite high on Lonzo Ball joining the Suns. Absolutely. So let me start with his faults and the criticism, okay? Go for it. What I'm hearing, and this is a lot of this is well-founded, is that Listen, the guy can't shoot. Mm-hmm. He's shooting a little under 33% from three this year. Yep. Uh, not great, especially considering the fact he only takes wide open ones. Mm-hmm. Free throw percentage, I think he's in the 40s still, which is just ridiculously bad. It was, yeah. True shooting, I think, is in like the 48, 49 range, so still well below league average. So shooting is a problem. 
can't get by anybody. He doesn't get to the rim. He almost seems sort of uh, skittish about going to the rim. Yep. Those are legitimate problems, and I totally get it. And based on those problems, I think mostly uh, is where people are getting this from. They say, listen, wh- why can't we take another uh, developmental player, particularly a point guard, who's you know just going to be another one of our young babies who's not good and, and, and whatever. That's the Suns always do, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Here's my counter to that. Alonzo Ball's already very good at passing and defense. Really good. It's particularly defense. I think he's probably a top five point guard defender in the league. And he is sort of a wingish size with, the, with his wingspan and his, and his height. Yep. That allows him to also be versatile on that end. Uh, he and Mikel would you know, immediately be awesome uh, defending the perimeter around Booker. So you're getting that. You're getting the, everyone knows that the passing. Lonzo's a brilliant passer. Everyone knows that the hit-ahead passes, all that stuff. So even though he's like sort of raw as a scorer, admittedly, and developmental there, he's not a developmental passer, and he's not a developmental defender. So he's an immediate upgrade right now. Yep. So when you're saying, oh, the Thunder just bringing a developmental player on, that's true in a sense, but it's also not true in the sense that he's way better than anybody else you have at the position already. Yep, I, I totally agree, and I'm going to use this opportunity to push a point that – Uh, I've pushed on this podcast almost all season. You know, there's development players in a sense that they're not NBA players at all and need to work on a number of skills to be on the court Mm -hmm. or on the court already because, you know, a team like the Suns doesn't have uh, any other options but to play them. Lonzo Ball is not one of those. He's got weaknesses. I think you've outlined them pretty perfectly there in what they are. But there are two or three things that he does on the court at a very good above average NBA level. And that is a completely different story. If you Mm -hmm. can have a guy contribute with his passing, you know, he's a real floor general. He's a point guard in every sense of the word. I think, as you mentioned, we would have a 6'6 backcourt with Booker and then Mikhail as well at the three, which is, you know, we've another thing we've touched on this pod, having your one and three around Booker be lengthy guys who can switch and play defense is, is a perfect fit with your franchise guy. But the defense and what he can do from a point guard perspective allows him to be on the court and give him the minutes and reps to hopefully improve on some of those other things like shooting, which obviously hasn't been great. I will note he shot 41% from three on 5.4 attempts in in college that is worth noting i think it's also worth noting that on not many attempts he shot i think around 67 percent from the free throw line in college too which obviously the free throw line doesn't change uh in distance from the hoop like the nba3 does so you know i'm not saying that there are reasons that he can 100 percent definitely turn things around but i think there's enough evidence there that it is something in his shot that can be fixed or confidence or reps or, you know, just having a role on an NBA team and not being thrown around like he has at the Lakers could actually mean a lot of those negatives turn into at least, you know, average NBA things, which then you couple it with what he's really, really good at. And then all of a sudden you've really got something to work with there, Max. Yeah, the free throw thing's weird because as you pointed out, he was not great, but fine in college. And then I've heard from people who would know that he was fine in high school too, so. So exactly. something just happened when we got the NBA. And that it must just be a pressure thing and the Lakers. I don't know what it is, but it seems like the kind of thing that would be smoothed out, like you said. Yeah. And also, I'll point out on the, the three-point shots, first of all, yeah, that's, that's what his position was. You're right. But also, if you remember watching him at UCLA, he was taking shots from like 30 feet sometimes. Yep, exactly. So I don't know what the hell happened there. Yep, that was my real big appeal with him in, in pairing him with Booker from that draft is you would just have this... Uh, you know, modern backcourt, you know, the the Curry-Clay type where guys could pull up from any distance. And do you remember what the criticism was, David? Defense. Yeah. 
It's so funny. Uh, he's the ultimate example of a prospect who totally flipped and turned to two skills. Yep, I was extremely low on his defense because I didn't think, you know, his kind of hip movement. I thought he had a bit of a poor turning circle, like a bit of a ship, uh, and, you know, p- pick and roll he was going to get found out. But, you know, that's what happens. You know, guys come over and uh, we see th- different things on the NBA court. And as you say, he's kind of flipped around completely. But my last point on him, which is why I would be very, very in on Alonzo Ball trade is, you know, the tempo that he creates and the easy looks that he creates for his teammates is exactly what this team needs. When you watch Mm. the Suns night in, night out, you just get frustrated with the lack of point guard play on this team. And, you know, I think back to those early summer league games where Lonzo was getting all the hype and packing out the gyms. You know, you saw him throwing the ball ahead. You saw guys like Kuzma getting ridiculously easy leak outs. Uh, You saw alley-oops. You saw a fast pace. That's what Lonzo's going to bring to this team. And, you know, if I was to write a list of things that this team really needs, that would be number one on the list because it helps both Booker and Aiton and it helps everyone else on the team around them as well, Max. Yep, and before I get to my trade, I want to pile on that point. I totally agree with it. And I want to point out also that it's sort of related. Lonzo's just a super high IQ player on both ends of the floor and God, they need those players on the Suns because they make a lot of low IQ plays, David. Yep, and it's all those intangibles that you know we, we'd like to point out on this podcast. And it's not so easy to just look at box score stats and percentages and, and kind of make these decisions on guys. And you know, I guess before you jump to your trade, it's very hard, as I've pointed out a few times in the point guard situation, it's very, very hard to tick all the boxes and look for a perfect fit. And at some point, the Suns just have to make a move to get better at this position. Yep, 100% agree. You might prefer other guys, but if other guys aren't available, why not Lonzo? So here's a uh, a four-team trade, David. I don't know why I'm starting with the most ridiculous trade I came up with, but I, I'm starting with the most ridiculous trade that I came up with. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll start with the Suns. The Suns get Lonzo Ball and Lance Stevenson. Ugh. The Lakers, yeah, I know, but he's one year. You just cut him, whatever. Okay. The Lakers get Anthony Davis alone. That's it. Okay. The 76ers. Get Nikola Miritich, Julius Randle, and Ellie Akobo. Wow. And are you ready for what New Orleans gets? <laughs> yep. So they're essentially giving up, just to break it down very quickly, Davis, mm-hmm. Miritich, and Randle? That's, they're all in this trade, yep. Okay. And the 76ers are sort of getting uh, Miritich and Randle to kind of do the Anthony Davis thing around Embiid, and they're getting Akobo to replace... Sort of some of the young guys you're about to hear. Ready? Okay. Yep. Go for it. New Orleans gets Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma... Ivaka Zubac, Markel Fultz, Josh Jackson, Furkan Korkmaz, Wilson Chandler, the Lakers first round pick of whatever sort, and the Milwaukee pick. They get a lot, Max. (laughs) They basically get like a a, a giant platter of prospects and just hope some of them work out. Yeah, and I think that's that's, how I was going to put it is uh, New Orleans can obviously go in two directions with this Davis situation. They can try and get stuff back like maybe the Spurs did in the DeMar DeRozan trade to stay uh, competitive, or they can just break it right down. Randall and Miritich are both essentially expirings, so they should try and cash in on those guys if they can, if Davis is leaving. So that makes a lot of sense. And I really like that fit with Philly too. That would be a great move for them. And, you know, as we know with young prospects, they don't always turn out. So the more bites of the apple that you have, 
uh, the better. So yeah, I kind of like that from a Pelicans perspective. You would expect at least a couple of those guys plus the draft picks. They'd be able to hit on a few future stars for the team and the Lakers get Davis and, and we get Ball. Uh, as long as I can cut Lance Stevenson straight away, I'm all, I'm all in. <laughs> you could absolutely do that. And yeah, I, I think that's really the key is just getting the multiple shots at it. Like Ingram, Fulton, Jackson, all of them probably have like a lower than 50% chance to become stars, but you know, I think all of them together, you're probably getting around 70% chance at least one of them becomes a star. Yep. So, you know, that's kind of the shot in the NBA. You're, you're trying to get young stars. And I think, I mean, you know, of all the all the uh, trade scenarios I've heard with New Orleans, other than Boston, including Tatum, that's probably your best chance at getting a star, I would say. Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. And if the pressure piles on to do it, uh, just before we recorded a... A big story came out from Anthony Davis's father that he does not want his son to go to Boston because of what they did to Isaiah Thomas. So, wow. you know, the pressure might keep piling on to get this deal done before the deadline, and that might be the best deal that they get. I guess the the poll that you put up on Twitter, I think last time I looked, the Josh option was winning that poll, which I think was essentially... Uh, well, yeah, be- let me let me give it the full thing here so that people so people who are listening know what it was. Forty four percent are Josh Jackson and the Milwaukee pick. Thirty four percent are TJ top five protected this year's pick. Five percent Mikel, seventy percent none of the above, and obviously this is trading for Lonzo. So most people use you. Uh, you're right. Either would rather trade Josh Jackson or just value that uh, top five protected or TJ more. I don't know. Yeah. So with that in mind, Max, I, I just wanted you to lay out, I suppose, what Phoenix are giving out in this hypothetical trade to get Ball back. Just to wrap it up for the listeners that may have struggled to uh, track that that giant four team trade. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. So it's close to uh, to the Josh thing. It's Josh. Plus Bucks pick, but also plus a Kobo. Yep, and I think that's around about what Phoenix are, are looking to uh, give up if they are interested in Lonzo Ball. So interesting to see that the Suns fans' general consensus on that, and I think on this trade you, you've you hit it pretty close. Yeah, I tried. And the other thing to point out here is uh, a Kobo is sort of uh, redundant, I guess, if you get another point guard. Like at a certain point, you can only have young point guards. David, you want to move on to the next, you know, the kind of the, the meat of our sons part of this podcast? Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue for the Akobo thing because we were just going to essentially rank how we see uh, sons' assets maybe getting moved before the deadline and, and certain reasonings around that. So, you know, the Akobo Melton equation will come up somewhere in the middle here because, yeah, if you do trade for a point guard, we should probably be prepared to, to say goodbye to one of those guys. But I think. If we were to start off, we should probably start with the untradeables, which I think are Booker and Ayton. Do you agree with that, at least before this deadline, Max? Yeah, very, very close. Ayton, maybe if you uh, have, you know, Anthony Davis involved, or Booker, maybe if, you know, for some reason, Durant. But yeah, basically untradeable. Yep. And then I, I've classed what I would call the undesirables, which doesn't necessarily mean they won't be in a trade, but it won't be for anything other than salary matching purposes, I, I would suspect. So I've got Bender, King, Evans, Terry, Jamal Crawford, and Ryan Anderson's fat $20 million contract in our group of undesirables, Max. Have you heard about Jamal Crawford's leadership? 
I have, but you know, as we've probably both noted when you're trying to put these big trades together, you, you may need to throw somebody in. So, <laughs> you know, maybe someone will take on Crawford, but you, you never know. So that brings us to the most likelies, Max. And I think you and I both agree on this is Troy Daniels is probably not the flashiest trade we'd be looking for from a Suns perspective at the deadline, but probably the most likely trade for the Suns uh, to execute before Feb 7. Yeah, definitely. He's only at one year left. Uh, three million, very easy to fit into a trade. Uh, he brings shooting. Some team needs shooting. Could use him. So yeah, easy, very fungible piece. Just quickly, I looked at the bottom half of three point percentage in the NBA and teams that are around the playoffs or or in contending for the playoffs. So I'll rattle them off for you here. This is uh, ranked sixteenth to thirtieth in three point percentage and that have a sniff at the playoffs. you got Toronto, Washington, OKC, Utah, Houston, and the LA Lakers, Max. You've already picked OKC last episode for Troy Daniels, so I'll remove them. Give me one of those other teams uh, that Daniels might get traded to before the deadline, Max. I like Toronto. That one's fun. Yeah. I don't think he would play a lot for them, but a moment where you really need a couple like threes to come back, maybe he would work for them. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised to see them there, but I guess it does make a little bit of sense. They don't have a lot of known snipers from deep on their team. And as you say, he might not be in the regular rotation, but he could be a, a piece for them. I know CJ Miles has struggled from three a bit this season. So let's go with Toronto uh, for him. But I think next most likely is probably the Milwaukee pick. What do you think, Max? I agree. Uh, it's just... You know, it's like, it's just really easy to throw in a pick that's not yours into a trade. You don't have to worry about the Sepian rule where you can't trade back-to-back picks. Mm -hmm. It's just, just, you know, it's one of those things, it's it's a great topper for a trade. Yeah, and I think as you've already shown in your Lonzo Ball trade, we could see it thrown in as an extra package in a bigger deal. Or, you know, I'm not ruling out that we still see it, you know, get traded by itself or or just with one player, maybe still for a, a point guard stopgap option you know a lot of people have pointed out to me that it's hard to see the Suns just going for a 25 game rental on a point guard but I think as we spoke about much earlier in the season when we wanted Suns to to trade for a point guard they may still go after someone that you know they have interest in keeping on a little bit longer term Max yeah that's another thing about it so second round picks have you know their level of value first round picks have a varying range of value but I would say the Milwaukee pick is almost kind of in the middle yep a really bad first and almost worse than really bad first of the same year because it has weird predictions on it so like it's almost like a quasi first that you can use for players who sort of their value falls in the middle. Yeah, it's probably not going to convey this year with the protections on it. It's probably more than likely next year or the year after. And with those protections, it's it's probably going to be a middling to very high first round draft pick. When I say high, I mean in the you know late 20s because Milwaukee are probably going to be pretty good. But right. again, on the theme of choosing one, I've written lots of potential point guard option so it was harder early on in the season but you know at the deadline we might be at a time where some of these teams are willing to just take a first because they're gonna lose this guy anyway so here's some names for you I've got Terry Rozier Frank Nidalekina TJ McConnell Wright from Toronto Corey Joseph from Indiana Jeremy Lin at Atlanta Patrick Beverly at the Clippers and Tyus Jones at Minnesota. Again, I'm going to rule out Beverly because I think you chose him last episode. Not necessarily a straight swap for the Milwaukee pick, but which guy would you like to see it maybe get used to grab out of that group, Max? Um, uh, My favorite guy is Tyus Jones. More on that later. Okay. I mean, it's so hard to figure out if Minnesota would do that. I don't really know how Minnesota values him. 
Uh, DeLon Wright's an interesting one. I, I think that Toronto would want to use him to contend. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I, I think a lot of those players are on teams that are very good and wouldn't be interested in trading those players because they're trying to make a push. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that outside of maybe Frank Niddle, Kina, and Jeremy Lin. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I forgot. Uh, so, well, Jeremy Lin, is, I just don't like. Yep. <laughs> and then Niddle, Kina, yeah, I forgot you mentioned him. I do like him. I mean, I I don't want to get into that tangent because some, most of those fans don't like him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would probably do that if I was presented the opportunity, yeah. Yeah, and I think Corey Joseph's an intriguing one. You've, you've seen some stories about them wanting to open up more time for holiday. You know, I think he's the perfect example of a guy who who's not going to be there next year. They may not need him in the playoffs, or, although the, the depot injury has changed things a little bit there too. But there's some names for, for fans to maybe look out for at the deadline. Not all hope is lost from, from a Phoenix perspective still going after a point guard, I think, because there's still some advantages to, to bringing a guy in even for a, a short period of time. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our next group is the Possibles, Max, which we should move on to, I think. So in this group, we've got TJ Warren and then Okobo and Melton, which we alluded to before. What, what's your thoughts on a TJ Warren trade before the deadline? I uh, mentioned this a little bit before. I think that it makes sense for the Suns to trade him because I think that what he brings is not as valuable to the Suns as sort of what his deficiencies take away. Mm-hmm. But that said, it's almost impossible to value him. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what the hell the teams would be thinking about him just because of the weird contract length and yada, yada, yada. We've gone over this. Yeah, I do think it's possible... You know, it only takes one team to be really interested in what he brings. Uh, so I, I think you're ranking him correctly. I think he's probably the mostly of our wings to be traded. Yep. But, you know, I'd still put the likelihood at, you know, hovering 30% or less. Yeah, I think my, my note here is if we did see a TJ Warren trade, I think it would be a real sign that they're going all in on, on youth for the rest of the season, just trying to clear up some minutes, maybe clean mm-hmm. clear up a starting spot for, for Ubre to potentially, you know... Yeah, I was going to say, that's a big good sign for Ubre's future here. Yeah, definitely. So it, it may be a real yeah, sign for the future, both from our developing our youth and just taking a real good look at Ubre before they have to make that decision. And we won't touch too much on Okobo and Melton. I don't think the Suns will necessarily be shopping either one of those guys, but if it gets to deadline day and, and you see a deal for a point guard and a Kobo and Melton aren't in that deal, I'd be, you know, a little nervous or or at least anticipating that a, a second deal is going to come before the deadline strikes just to get rid of one of those guys for maybe an asset. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, David, if uh, that trade in earlier, the four-team trade, if I weren't a homer who loved Melton so much, I think I would have put Melton to Sixers because the Sixers are the time team that would just jump all over him. Yeah, for sure. They've, they've got my guy, Shake Milton, there as well and, and your guy, Landry Shamit. So. Did you see Shamit had a uh, chase down block? against the uh, Warriors last night? I did not see that. I'll have to go back and have a look at that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to see them both uh, having highlights from time to time on the Sixers. So mm-hmm. I don't think we need to touch on those guys too much more and probably won't for the rest of the episode. But the unlikelies I've got now are Josh Jackson and then Ubre and Holmes. I- I've got a small point I want to make on that second grouping, but how about you tell me what you think about Josh Jackson's likelihood uh, before the deadline? I think I would actually put him maybe a tier in between the possibles and the unlikelies. Yep. I don't think it's crazy to trade Josh Jackson. I really don't. Given the glut of wings, given, I mean, he's sort of been, say, vocally unhappy. Yep. At least a little bit here. So 
It wouldn't shock me if they traded Jackson, particularly if they, if they do get Lonzo. I think there's a really, really high percentage chance that they uh, have Jackson in the trade. Yeah, and I think anytime you're putting a, a bigish deal together for the Suns, you know, as low as you know, I guess you and I have been on Josh at times, and as low as the league might be on Josh, he's probably still the best Phoenix Suns you know, prize, young prize in a deal. Yeah, well, I, to, to, to back up that, it's not that far removed from when he was drafted, and a lot of teams loved him when he was drafted. I think there's probably, a, a lot of teams are probably like, well, Phoenix screwed him up, but we won't. Yep, and that might be why it's time to trade him before you get maybe another season of, mm-hmm. you know, subpar play from him. There's still that kind of tease of what you could turn a guy like Josh into for other teams. So worth noting there. The only thing I wanted to touch on Ubre and Holmes, they're obviously in our unlikely group here. So I'm, I'm not saying that they will be traded, but if one or both of them, you know, the Suns don't actually feel like they're going to be bringing them back, you could probably get an asset for them to a contender. They'd both be pretty good uh, help for teams in the playoffs, I would have thought. Ubre can only be traded with picks. He can't be traded with any other players, which is worth noting uh, with him, the way we got him from Washington. But, you know, I think they'd both have value with contenders of, as a kind of a fringe first type asset for the Suns if, if someone really liked one of them, Max. That's a great point. And, you know, oh, God, people are already mad at us for some of the things we say on this. But <laughs> putting a head above heart, like, it does make a lot of sense to trade Rashawn Holmes right now. Like, it makes a lot of sense. It's a total asset robot McDonough move to trade to Holmes with his value this high and with him being a free agent. I've made that point on Twitter a couple of times, not necessarily advocating for it or, or uh, the opposite. I've just kind of said that if McDonough was still the GM the way that we saw he used to think, I think he'd be looking to cash out on Rashawn Holmes, uh, particularly if they were getting a sense that he was going to cost them too much just to play 15 minutes behind Aiton for the next three or four years. Okay, the last group we have listed here, David, is the highly unlikely, as you have it termed. It's Mikel Bridges and Phoenix's 2019 first. Again, I almost think I agree with you. Those are much more unlikely, but I almost feel like those are in different tiers. I think Phoenix's first, at least, you know, lightly protected would be a uh, higher tier of likelihood than Mikel Bridges. Yes, we can probably flip those around at least uh, to, to illustrate that. I think I think you're right. The, the first is more likely to go than Bridges. And the only thing I would say on Bridges is that he's not totally in the untradeables with Booker and Aiton, but he's pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. And I could probably only see him being traded along with the 2019 first if Phoenix were really chasing a, a huge fish. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense because uh, you made this point a lot of times and it's a good one. That And this is sunk cost theory. Like, it's the wrong way to look at things, but it doesn't matter. Everyone does. Yep. Phoenix put so much in to get Mikel. They traded that Miami pick that everybody loves. So like, they really, really, really like Mikel. Yep. Uh, and they're not going to trade him for nothing. No, and I, I think you, you can't look at it from a value perspective looking back at the, the trade, but uh, I just look at it from a context point of view of probably how high the front office is on Mikel and why he yep. you know, likely wouldn't be included in any trades. Well, he's but, also, David, he's been really good too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, let's let's not totally look over that, but let's uh, let's move to some fun maybe and, and uh, look at some fake trades and some bigger discussions about what might be on the market, Max. Let's do it. Uh, what do you want to start with here? Let's go with Conley and Drew together. Okay, I'll start with that Drew Holiday trade, all right? You ready? Yes. Okay, so Phoenix and New Orleans. So this is a two-team trade. This is not as crazy. Yep. Phoenix gets Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Solomon Hill and Julius Randle. 
New Orleans gets Ryan Anderson, Josh Jackson, Elliot Kobo, Dragon Bender, some filler, including Crawford, which thank God we heard of him. <laughs> this year, top three protected. That's it, David. What do you? What's your initial reaction? Then I'll uh, maybe defend it a little bit. Uh, my initial reaction is that's pretty much what I would expect to have to pay to get a guy like Drew. He's my preferred choice. Uh, I've actually gone with a Conley trade to go off the back of yours. And, and my package for Conley actually looks very, very similar, Max. So hmm. it, it may actually be more of a conversation here about do we think that they would cost the same uh, and who would our be you know our preferred choice be if you had them both for around about the same cost if we agree on that. So I'll, I'll give you the context very quickly. I had Anderson, Jackson, Bender, and our top three protected 2019 first for Mike Conley, Max. So I think the difference here in the conversation then is uh, Okobo in my trade. Yes. And then also uh, you're taking on Solomon Hill in my trade, which is a pretty bad contract at 12 million next year. Mm -hmm. Also taking on uh, Randall, who, while he's good for New Orleans, he's just going to make you better and make your traffic better or worse this year, which is bad for you. Yes. And he's going to opt out of his deal anyway because he's going to get paid more than that. 100%. And you just, you save money but for not by trading him right now. Yeah. And, and New Orleans is the kind of organization that I could see just wanting to save some money. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, probably you'd be praying for, for Davis to get moved, obviously, for a deal for Drew Holiday, much like uh, Lonzo Ball. But uh, if I was to rank them, I'd, you know, including Lonzo Ball, I'd probably go uh, Drew first at around about that cost, then Lonzo Ball, and then Mike Conley last, which we've touched on in many a podcast, so I won't go into my reasoning on that. But I would definitely do the deal that you've outlined for for Drew, I think. My preference would be to throw a guy like Miritich in that trade in, instead of Randall. But uh, yeah, even the way that you've uh, outlined that deal, Max, it's definitely a deal that I would take as the Phoenix Suns, and I think one that the uh, New Orleans would be hard-pressed to find a, another taker on. The reason why I didn't include Miritich is because I think that the uh, the Pelicans are going to get something good for Miritich. Yeah, I think he's probably better in a, a single deal at the deadline for, for New Orleans, for sure. But I guess if, if Drew isn't on the table uh, and, you know, we had to go with Anderson, Jackson, Bender, and one or two firsts for, for Mike Conley, is that still something that you would look to do before the deadline? Yeah, I would. I, some people are worried about his age, and I, and I get it. And also, I, which is what I've heard, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's just something that... Apparently, James Jones is like, we're not getting anybody over 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, the difference between these two guys, I think the big difference is Drew Holiday is... He's not a spring chicken, but he's, he's significantly younger. You know, what is he, 28, 29? So that's, that's sort of a big difference in a lot of his thinkers' minds. Yeah, I just want to make one final point. We uh, both included top three protection I believe on our 2019 pick there uh in my little research on the draft at the moment, it's really a, a Zion-only draft, which I know you're very high on him too. Uh, the only reason I'm top three protecting there is, you know, there's still chance that Zion has a, an injury, um, you know, maybe not quite as bad, but something akin to what happened to Joel Embiid, who probably should have been the number one pick in that draft and slipped a little bit. Or you, you want to protect yourself in, in certain situations from teams just being stupid and, and choosing someone instead of Zion and therefore 
you still having a chance at him at, at pick two or three. So there are trades where I would trade the pick top one protected, but in this case, I'm going top three, Max. Yeah, for Drew Holiday, which came to shove, and I'm in a bidding war, I'm, I'll go top one for sure. Yep. Is that good of a fit? He's under team control for a while still, what, like two or three more years? Yep. That's the guy you, you go uh, the top one. For. All right, let's, let's move on to some uh, power forward trades, potentially. Point guard and power forward are probably the two biggest needs for the team. So uh, I'm going to jump in first here, Max, I believe, and I'll throw up a very simple one here. If you do gauge around the league and TJ's value isn't great, you're really just looking at taking on maybe a similar contract, but for a bit of a different look. I'd, I'd go to Miami mm-hmm. and I'd look for a, a straight swap for Kelly Olynyk, who is same money, one year less because he has a, a player option as well. So uh, that's just a more traditional power forward to slot in. Uh, and someone I would actually look at, I know there's probably wouldn't be many people that would agree with me on this one, but I, I just uh, think that the Suns need to look at, at potentially bringing in a guy on that money that suits the power forward position a little better, Max. Yeah, before this season, I think a lot of people would have agreed with you. He's had sort of a, I guess you could say bad season, sort of out of the rotation, but you know, changes of scenery can help. Uh, having a shorter contract is nice. I would be fine with it. I would probably uh, slightly approve of it, but I think that uh, people listening to this might be mad at you. Yeah, I think so too. And then if I go then with a guy who's kind of intrinsically linked with Kaliolinic over their careers for negative reasons, but uh, we we ring up Cleveland Max and offer both TJ and Josh Jackson uh, Bender as salary filler and a top five protected 2019 first for Kevin Love. So I think that would be really bad. I, I don't like his contract, David. It's so long. Yeah. So much money. And listen, it wouldn't shock me at all if they did this, and it would improve us uh, in the short term. Here's what I'd say. I think you can make that trade without the pick. You can get, get away with trading uh, TJ and Jack. You know, get the get the young guys in there. That's enough for, for Kevin Love. Yeah. I just don't know if there's a big enough market for him just because of how long that damn contract is. Yeah, it's not something I'm, I'm necessarily pushing for. I just think right, it's right, right. Uh, something that we could see. I, I thought I'd throw it out on the table there. Uh, you could potentially hold Love out for the rest of the season and, and still, you know, go for getting that pick inside the top five and then, you know, maybe have uh, a, a pick, a number one or two or three pick to throw at a point guard and, and then all of a sudden you've got a team built around Booker for next season that uh, could actually compete Pete, which is what I'm seeing from most Suns fans. They they kind of want to finally get to that stage, Max. Yeah, it's similar to the rationale I used for Conley the other episode. You're, you're sort of adopting that, right? Is, is the, yeah. You, you want to build it around these guys now for their first time and get them developed, and then, you know, once they expire, you build the team. Yeah, and not, not, you know, hope for what you might be able to get in free agency, kind of take that choice out and, and really secure things beforehand, because, mm-hmm. you know, probably what we saw last summer is they there was all these possibles and then nothing really came to a head and the choices they did make weren't great either. So uh, what have you got in the way of uh, a power forward trade or, or maybe something else, Max? Uh, yeah, this is a power forward and a point guard trade. It's okay. Three-way. Again, Phoenix and New Orleans are involved because I guess I'm obsessed with New Orleans and these trades. But uh, so yeah, Minnesota, New Orleans, Phoenix. So Minnesota gets... Nikola Miritich, mm-hmm. Daniels, and Elia Kobo. Yep. New Orleans gets Dragon Bender, Jamal Crawford, Jawan Evans, Milwaukee pick, and a first-round pick for Minnesota. Probably pretty heavily protected. Lots of salary filler. Yep. Two first-round picks. <laughs> yeah, two first-round picks yep. and salary filler. And Phoenix gets Todd Gibson and Tyus Jones. I like it. Uh, I'm a, 
someone actually DM me the other day on Twitter asking about Taj Gibson for next season. Uh, my answer to that was he would have been a great guy to bring in for this season. So that's essentially what you're doing here. Plus Tyus Jones, who you mentioned before, was going to come up later in the pod. So uh, yeah, give us give us the ins and outs just from a Phoenix perspective again for the listeners there, Max. Yeah, absolutely. So I think people are sick of uh, Aiden having nobody who plays defense next to him at a power forward level and Tyus exactly. that immediately. Yep. Uh, so I think he would help. I would think he would help stabilize his team a lot. And then obviously Tyus Jones is going to be your starting point guard now, and he's infinitely better than any of the guys in the roster now. Love you, Melton, but you're not ready. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the more underrated players in the league, Tyus Jones. He'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, we mentioned Norwin's already just getting the salary dump and two picks, which is nice. I think two picks is kind of what they're looking for, Miritich. Yep. And then Minnesota upgrades from Gibson to Miritich, which is a nice upgrade. Uh, Miritich would be really, really good with them. Mm-hmm. They get Daniels, which whatever, you know, he's a shooter. That helps. And then Elliot Kobo is sort of like their replacement for Tyus. Yep. As Tyus has to get paid next season, a Kobo doesn't have to get paid for a while. Yeah, that's the kind of move that you make with these point guards and, and young guys when their their contracts are coming up sometimes is, you know, wind the clock back again and, and go with a guy like Ali. And, you know, to touch on what you said before, I don't think they're that high on Tyus Jones. He seems to always be the guy that misses out in the rotation when they're fully healthy and things. So uh, definitely a decision that Minnesota could look to make and, and one that might benefit the Suns, Max. Yeah, I, it's, it's, what depends for Minnesota is like, are they really trying to go for this year? Because that's when you go get Miritich, right? Yeah. They're, they're kind of close to the playoff picture, but it's such a battle in the West that, you know, it's hard to know. So, uh, David, what's your last uh, what's your last trade idea here? I've just realized I've slipped on my tribute to uh, Amico here on this pod. I haven't been saying my sources tell me, Max. I'll start it with this one. <laughs> my sources tell me, Max, the Suns are big on Joe Ingles because of his Aussie connection to please down under dude on this podcast, Max. So I've got a very random one for you here. Let's say, uh, reading the tea leaves, I think Utah are very into Mike Conley. So they get... Mike Conley, TJ Warren, and Jermichael Green from Memphis. Phoenix get two Aussies in Joe Ingles and Dante Exum. And Memphis get Ryan Anderson, Derek Favors, who will come off the books, the Milwaukee pick, and a future Phoenix first. Plus, I think I have to throw in Tony Bradley from Utah just to make the contracts work on that one, Max. What are your initial thoughts there? Wow. Uh, I love it. I love it for the Suns. Big time. Great for the Suns. Yep. Uh, Utah, it's a gamble. I mean, you're going for Conley hard. They love English, though, so that's tough. I do think they're interested in Conley for sure. I don't know if they give up English or not, but that, that's an interesting one. And then uh, going to Memphis, it's about the right return for Conley. I think people might be overstating what Conley's going to return, so I, I, I get it. Man, but I, I think that our listeners, I think the Suns win that trade, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're obviously keeping Conley and Rubio together on that team, and that's a real playoff push kind of move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah, with injuries and things, keep getting robbed of playmakers. So I think whilst it's more likely that Rubio goes out maybe to Memphis in a deal if they go after Conley, which we may get to later, uh, I think sending Exum out instead and, and instead going with you know two really heavy playmakers is a real playoff-type move for Utah. I think they do love Joe Ingles, so it's hard to see them getting rid of him, but, you know, maybe you can convince them that, that TJ Warren brings, you know, some of the same stuff and a little bit more scoring punch for that team, which is what Utah seems to always need. And, and Ingles would be, you know, minus the Aussie connection, a, a great fit on this Phoenix team, Max. I love that you brought two Aussies under the Phoenix. <laughs> it's like an Aussie slang term that most Americans wouldn't know for like 
awesome or great? Uh, I never use this, but a very old term would be bonza. That's a bonza trade, David. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, I think that's it for us in the subsection, right, David? Is it time for us uh, a little bit of Did You Know? It is time for a little bit of Did You Know. We tried to have a little bit of fun there, but throw in some realistic stuff as well. And I think... Probably what we did there is is wrap up the two choices that the Suns could make at the deadline. That's go after a big fish or, you know, maybe potentially do some pre-work for, for next season there, Max, that mm-hmm. might not be too exciting but might have the same benefits down the track. But I'll jump into Did You Know Now, Max. So being a whole episode dedicated to the trade deadline, you know I had to dig back into the archives of Suns history for a trade deadline, Did You Know? Thankfully, I didn't have to dig too far. Did you know the Suns have made a trade on the final possible day for the last four seasons? It may not seem like a lot, but before this recent stretch, the Suns made a move at the 12-13 deadline, acquiring Marcus Morris, the 10-11 deadline, trading away Goran to Houston, then all the way back to the 03-04 deadline, trading Gugliotta to Utah. Then you have to go all the way back, Max, to 95-96, where the Suns acquired Terrence Wrencher from Miami, and then all the way back to 87-88, where the Suns traded in Corbin, Hodges, Johnson, and West, all on the final day of the trade period. But now back to that four-year stretch, Max. Let's put you on the spot first and see what deals might come to mind of the last four years on trade deadline day for you. Okay. So working our way backwards, can you think of the big trade last year, 17-18? i <laughs> the biggest mind blank ever. Obviously, I know what the big trade last it year It wasn't all that big. It was Alfred Payton brought in oh, for the Alfred Payton. Memphis second-round pick that actually became Jared Vanderbilt, who ended up in That Denver. was the last second, too. I remember that it was like literally after the trade. Yeah, that was that was right on the deadline. Uh, sixteen seventeen, Max, a, a fan favorite left the Suns. Can you think who that was? I do remember that one. That was PJ Tucker for two second rounders. It was, and those picks became Alec Peters and George King, nonetheless. Fifteen sixteen, a not so favorite son left. Max, can you think who that was? Is that Marquise Morris for the Washington? It pick? is with uh, Juwan Blair and Chris Humphreys. That pick became George's Papianis from the Sacramento. Sacramento Chris trade, which might come up in a bit. And that max brings us to 1415 trade deadline day where the real juiciness is. So on Feb 19, yeah, <laughs> I'll go through it for you. On Feb 19, 2015, the Phoenix Suns made three deadline day moves, which involved sending out Goran Dragic, his brother Zoran, Isaiah Thomas, Tyler Ennis, Miles Plumley, and lots of other parts. What came in was Brandon Knight, three firsts, and lots of other salary filler max. In fact, in those three deals alone, there were six point guards in total. Goran, Knight, Thomas, Ennis, Kendall Marshall, and Norris Cole. And so the curse of the point guard in Phoenix began maybe on that day, Max. I count 21 point guards or combo guards joining the roster since that fateful day. Let's see what random names might come to mind for you first. Uh, Very few of them are very good. That's probably a hint for you, Max. Throw some random names at me. So, uh, including that day? Uh, After that day, Max. Did you already mention, like, Thornton and Knight? Yes. Okay. Just, like, any combo guards that came from? Since that day. All point guards, and, and some of them are on the current roster as a clue. All right, so. well, I'll let... You know what? I'm not going to name them all just to, to keep this short. I'll just name one who epitomizes it all for me, Jamal Crawford. 
There you go. He is on the list, one of the 21. So I'll rattle them off very quickly. Seth Curry, AJ Price, Jarrell McNeil, Andrew Harrison, Ronnie Price, Deontay Burton, Bryce Cotton, Lorenzo Brown, Jordan McRae, Phil Pressey, Tyler Eulis, Leandro Barbosa, Shaq Harrison, Ronnie Price again, Mike James, Isaiah Cannon, Josh Gray, Alfred Payton, Elia Kobo, Isaiah Kanan again, DeAnthony Melton, Jamal Crawford, who you mentioned, and last but maybe not least, Juwan Evans. Pretty depressing, right, Max? Uh, it's not great, no. <laughs> well, now let's go to the half-glass-full result of those three deadline trades instead in 2015. There are two often talked about on this podcast fan favorites on the current team that, in a weird way, are all that are left from those three trades. That and Ryan Anderson's corpse, Max. So move number one, Gorin to the Heat. The Suns received a 2018 first and a 2021 first from Miami, which were both traded to Philly for Mikhail Bridges. Philly actually had that pick from the Suns in the first place, which is where move number two comes in. The Suns traded the then Lakers pick to Philly in a three-team trade, which landed them Brandon Knight. And as we know, Max, Brandon Knight was shipped off to Houston for Ryan Anderson and a smaller piece swapping hands each way too. Which brings us to move number three and beautifully ties in those aforementioned smaller pieces. Isaiah Thomas was traded to Boston in 2015, Max, with a 2016 first, the main return to Phoenix. That first was then used to move up and draft Marquise Chris. And as we know, his inclusion in the Houston deal returned DeAnthony Melton to the Suns. So Max, in a weird way that only Phoenix are capable of, with three deadline day moves on 2015 executed by Ryan McDonough, not only seem to have put a point guard hex on the franchise, they've all resulted in the return of just Mikhail Bridges and DeAnthony Melton. So hopefully the Suns have a future with those two and can fix the point guard situation at the same time. Recent history suggests we should see another trade deadline day move from the Suns, but for now, let's move to the rest of the NBA and discuss some non-Suns related moves, Max. The night trade was something that pained me so much for so long, but honestly now it's not even that bad because that Lakers pick that we were, I was so mad we gave up really didn't turn into nearly as we thought it was going to, so that helped. No, and as I said, we're both high on Bridges and, and Melton, so maybe there's a positive out of all of that mess in the future. I hope so. So we're into the general NBA stuff. Obviously, the big story here is Anthony Davis uh, has asked for a trade. Uh, Anthony Davis is a very good basketball player, so obviously people are paying attention to this. <laughs> so obviously everyone knows he's probably going to the Lakers. I've already had a trade on here. We're going to the Lakers. No, David, let's talk about him going somewhere else. Yep, I'm going to start off gun to your head. Will he be traded before the deadline or not? I I think so now, yeah. With all this weird stuff, with all this weird Celtic stuff, I just didn't want to get it over with. I know it was going to be like, hey, our best package is going to be something involving the Lakers now, anyway. So now that Kristaps is gone, now the Celtics are seemingly kind of weirdly out. That I think so. All right. So did you say you had a Lakers offer there? Uh, no, the Lakers thing is just everything they have. Okay. But I had or non-Lakers uh, offers because those are boring. All right. Well, I can. There's two questions with every Davis trade, and it's yes or no. Would New Orleans do it? And then the second question is, is it better than the Lakers offer of basically everything that isn't LeBron? So right. throw me your first one, and I'll. Uh, keep those two questions in mind. Okay, I'll start with uh, Clippers here. This is Clippers. Yep. Uh, I think are an underrated player who 
because first of all, it's LA and that's where he seemingly wants to go and they have cash space to check another star. But anyway, here's what it is. Tobias Harris, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and potentially some picks for Davis and Filler. I like that from New Orleans' point of view. And I'm going to say, in relation to my two questions, that they would say yes to that deal. Uh, is it better than the Lakers' offer? Yeah, I'd probably say it is too. I think Shea Gilders-Alexander is a better prospect than anyone the Lakers have, first of all. Yep. Uh, besides maybe Lonzo, but Lonzo doesn't even want to play there, but that's close to me. Yep. But Tobias Harris, like... If you get that new bird rights, maybe you just build your team on him kind of. He's great. Oh, no, he has one more year left. You treat him as expiring next year, trade him or something. Like, that's not a bad package. Yeah, and I like that you've included the Clippers here. Obviously, the Lakers and Clutch are going to really try and get in the way of any move here and, and get him to the other LA team if possible. But uh, the Clippers are in a position with the the construction of their roster to make a big deal move. So uh, I like that you've included them. And the other thing too, is if you dump Gallinari, you jump his 20, whatever million it was for next year. Yep. So you, you got some uh, little space there to pair up Davis with whomever. All right. I'm going to jump in here. Sources tell me, Max, Toronto want to make my earlier predictions in the season come mm. true. And are going to make a play for Anthony Davis. So here is what I have. Okay. Anthony Davis and each one more going to Toronto. Valanchunas, Siakam, OG Ananobi, Norman Powell, and either the 2021 first, or if New Orleans want to push it back because they think Toronto are going to be too good, you can have the 2023 first from Toronto instead. Yeah, I think for me, if I'm New Orleans, I prefer that to the Lakers. Siakam, again, we're talking about players who are better than any of the any of the prospects on the Lakers, he's already a near all-star. A snub. Uh, I'm going to say he's a snub. Yeah, he might be a snub. That's fair. I, I, I think he's been more uh, impactful for a winning team than DeAndre Russell, I would say. Great question I saw on Twitter. Do we use snub any other time of the year except for in January and February, Max? Yeah, certainly not in the NBA context. I can't think of a lot of other contexts either. It's, uh, it's definitely it's a word that uh, if you look at the – you know those – you know when you search on Google for like the amount of words used, yep. uh, it, it spikes in those months for sure. Uh, especially the Oscars too. Jesus Christ, it's like the number one month for it. Uh, you got another Davis one? I do, yeah. But I just want to sign approval on yours. That was a good one. Uh, my last one's sort of out there. It's uh, it's New Orleans and Sacramento. Sacramento is just doing Sacramento things. They're they're trading Bagley, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harry Giles, and maybe like a future pick for Davis. I guess this is the kind of one and you know we saw it in a similar deal between both of these teams so I'll make two points uh, teams often go back to the same teams to deal with because mm-hmm. there's a level of comfortability and, and GMs know each other so that's an important point for Sacramento and New Orleans Good point. and we saw in the Buddy Heald DeMarcus Cousins trade that it can often be whether a certain GM really rates a certain player or prospect and not necessarily us saying oh well this deal was better than that deal etc etc so Mm -hmm. as we saw with Buddy Heald in Sacramento uh, it would probably come down to how high New Orleans are on um, Marvin Bagley I suppose yeah who I mean there's a, a very good chance I would say that they view him as much better than any of LA's prospects I would agree with that number two in the last draft uh, hasn't been bad this year by any means like maybe they're just like hey this guy is we love this guy very possible but uh, from Sacramento's perspective it's like I wouldn't do this because you know Davis is not going to stay with you Sacramento but they do crazy shit all the time so maybe 
think, yeah, he'll play with Fox and love him. And here we yeah, go. It, it would be a return to the Kangs hashtag on Twitter, I'm sure, right. if that happened. But, you know, this is the kind of thing, I guess, to round out the Davis discussion. Uh, gun to my head, I'm probably saying he's not going to get traded just because mm. I think, you know, we've already thrown up probably three deals that are better than what the Lakers can offer. And it's just so totally obvious that they're uh, going to leverage their way out of Davis getting sent pretty much anywhere but LA. So New Orleans are really backed into a corner here, and you know may just hold off to see if anything can change in the future. Can I give you my quick counter on that? I, although I totally agree. Yep. Here's the problem, though. Right now they have LA like in this situation where they they're they're you know. Uh, a little unclear what's going to happen in the future. They may we'll give you everything, we'll just go. Yep. Next summer, if it becomes clear that Davis really is just going to go to LA and all the other teams are like, shit, well, we can't trade anything significant for this guy. He's definitely going to go. They might find a situation where the Lakers are like, oh, well, hey, now, you know what? We think we might keep Kyle Kuzma. This is true. This is true. So, yeah, I guess that's the situation New Orleans are in. I don't love... It's tough. Yeah, I don't love this argument that's going around about protecting small market teams, uh, especially from themselves. You know, they've had more than enough time to uh, impress Davis. So mm-hmm. I'm not... I don't feel sorry for them for that perspective. Uh, but I do not like uh, agents and other teams, I suppose, uh, backing teams into a corner to essentially take deals when they're going to have better deals potentially on the table. So uh, it, it's going to be a watch this space one and easily the biggest uh, story for the next seven days or so. Totally agree with that point you just made. I, in fact, I had a, a tweet on this where I, I think it had something around the lines of, like, I feel bad for New Orleans' fans. I mean, they're not responsible for this, but I do not feel bad for New Orleans or small markets because New Orleans, as you said, they had plenty of time, seven years, in fact, to build a team around Davis, and they screwed it up at multiple turns. Yep, and some collateral damage here might be uh, Nikola Mirotic and, and Drew Holiday, who we've touched on quite a bit already, so we won't go too in-depth on that. But, you know, if they were to pull the trigger on a Davis trade, New Orleans should really just go all in and start selling off the, the rest of the pieces as well on deadline day, I think. So I've got a couple of destinations for Mirotic here. I, I didn't look into Drew because I don't really want to see him go anywhere else but Phoenix, Max. <laughs> But a couple of weird ones. I heard you mention the Sixers before. I thought Miritich to the Sixers for Fultz, who we've seen come back into the rumors today, and a heavily protected first. What do you think about that? I, I totally think that makes sense. I I see why Nola would gamble on Fultz, and I very much see why the Sixers would want Miritich. And one a little bit more off the wall. Uh, we see Houston always kind of nuzzle themselves into these situations when they possibly can. So I'm going to say Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, who has demanded a trade out of Houston, Max, <laughs> and two first-round picks for Miritich and Wes Johnson. Hmm. To clarify, you're obviously paying one first to get off Knight's contract. That's not, you know, yeah, an overpay. And then another first, essentially, for Miritich and Johnson, who could both be, you know, good players on a, a Houston contender. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I like it a lot. Miritich would help that team a tremendous amount. It'd allow them to... Yeah, a lineup where you have Miritich and, and Tucker as your uh, front court, that's, that's formidable. I like it. Alrighty, that's that's me on Miritich. If you don't have anything else to add there, Max, I don't. No, I uh, just have one more general NBA trade for you, and this is the uh, Memphis situation. I'm gonna address that. Okay, let's do it. So this is uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the the major Memphis guys uh, have not demanded a trade, but the team has made it clear that they want to trade them. That's Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol. Yep. A trade where they go together. 
which is hard to do, David, as we, t- we talked about. <laughs> it's hard to find homes for either the, of them by themselves, let alone together. So It's not easy. Uh, yeah, let's have a look at it. I'm even going to add one more, David. This trade, Denver gets Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol and Jermichael Green. <laughs> Memphis trades, Paul Millsap, Mason wow. Conley, Trey Lyles, Michael Porter Jr., and uh, I can't remember his first name because I just forgot it. It's Beasley, though. Malik. Malik, Malik Beasley, okay. So, yeah, so my, my logic here, obviously Memphis, they get rid of you know those guys who are all great, but they also get Michael Porter Jr. is the prize there. Mm-hmm. Miles has some upside. So it's really about getting, I, I throw in a pick here, too, uh, from Denver. So you're getting Michael Porter Jr. in a pick here. Yep. Most that, whatever, it doesn't really matter. For Denver, you're getting Conley. Obviously, he's great. Gasol, you don't ever play with Jokic. It's just like whenever Jokic is not playing, Gasol is playing, basically. <laughs> and then Jermichael Green is like your real What do you think? Interesting. I thought you might have been going with the Twin Towers here. We've seen Denver try and play Jokic and Plumlee together quite a bit, which uh, always brings the ire from uh, Nuggets Twitter, at least from what I can see. Listen, try it. You can try it. I don't think it's going to I think Bob you're not doing it, but try it. Yeah. I, I really like it from the perspective of what I was talking about before with, with Utah, maybe keeping Conley and Rubio on the on the roster is because if you are going into the playoffs, you just want to have a really strong eight, nine man rotation, particularly at the important mm-hmm. positions and, and point guard and, and your your number one big are, are very important positions. So if you could get everyone to buy into that even just for one playoff run. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad move there by Denver. Yeah, it's maybe not enough for Memphis, and I thought of constructions where they get Gary Harris, which is probably more realistic. But I don't know. I think there's something there. I could see Denver wanting to definitely get Conley, and then if they can add Gasol on there too. Yeah, I think if you throw in Gary Harris, you might get to a, a position where even Denver doesn't like the deal so much either, even though it probably makes more sense from a value point of view. But this might be Denver, you know, really capitalizing on there not being really any market for Mark Gasol because I really struggled to find a landing spot for him and have only actually gone with a Conley trade in this uh, section instead. Yeah, we'll throw it out. Let's hear it. Well, I kind of alluded to it before. I think reading the tea leaves, Conley to Utah is uh, the big rumor out there at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did throw a Suns hypothetical out there before, but my sources tell me, Max, Rubio favors and a first for Conley and Jermichael Green to Utah. Rubio favors and a first, Jermichael Green. Okay. Um, so green kind of, you know, allows you to get some of those favors minutes, obviously, and favors comes off the books for Memphis. And then it's essentially Rubio and a first to Memphis for Mike Conley. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. I think you got to get a little bit more there, but I think that construction makes a lot of sense. Just you got to add in like Grayson Allen or you, it's a little bit more to maybe even Dante Exum, just something to justify it. Yeah. Like a youth entry. But I think that framework makes a lot of sense. And in fact, I would be. Not surprised at all if something like that happens. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the last note that I have here and, you know, from my other random trade before is I said it, it could be one that Phoenix could actually get in on with picks if Memphis just want to tear it down entirely and, and more have future assets instead of a guy like Ricky Rubio. So, um, yeah, I'll just throw that in last to, I guess, wrap up on a Phoenix note there. We've mentioned Ricky Rubio as maybe being a target. And, and all these rumors actually about Utah being willing to get rid of him, I think, mean good things maybe even for the offseason with the Suns and, and Ricky Rubio, Max. Yeah, I think they, it seems like he's not in their long-term plans, right? Definitely. Yeah, I, I can see it. And that makes a lot of sense uh, for Memphis. That. Memphis obviously would like the cap relief that Rubio would bring, but he makes no sense for them as a player. So if they could turn that and set into, 
you know, whatever from Phoenix, that would make some sense. Yep, and that's all the big current rumors, Max. So uh, this will be up within probably 24 hours or so of recording. So uh, hopefully we get lucky and uh, none of those ones go down or nothing big gets added to the mix uh, before we get this out. Or they go down exactly as we said they would. <laughs> Take that, Sam Amico. <laughs> David, are you ready for seven seconds or less? I'm never not ready. Alrighty, so seven seconds or less is a segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which he has seven seconds or less to answer and has not prepared. David, question number one. If you ran the New Orleans Pelicans, what are you going to do? And guess what? You can have a word in seven seconds. Well, I kind of alluded to it before, so I won't extend out too much, but if I can send him to another team... Uh, that is willing to pay more than the Lakers right now, I would probably do it. If I'm backed into a corner of accepting the Lakers everything but LeBron offer and nothing else with no third teams, etc., like Phoenix, uh, I'm going to take it past the deadline and, and see if, if things can change. I'm not, not letting you up on a hypothetical. Of all the trades we've mentioned on this pod, that, which one are you doing? I really, really like my one from Toronto, and I think that that's probably the best deal value-wise. So and I'd love to see an East contender really take it up to the West, uh, probably the Warriors in the final. So that I'd root for that one, Matt. I like it. I think I did the Clippers one, but I, the Toronto one's close. Yeah. All right, next, another Davis question. You get to wave a wand, and Anthony Davis will be on any team you want him to be on on a long-term deal other than the Phoenix Suns. I knew that caveat was going to come in there at the end. Uh... Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, it's the answer. So. Uh, I won't uh, double down on Toronto because that would be boring, uh, but I would send him east because I, I do really want a power to come out of the east to challenge the Warriors and, and I guess, the overall strength of the West going forward. Um, so, uh, let's get crazy. Let's go Embiid and Davis together in Philly. Oh, wow. I, I like that one a lot. That's fun. My answer for that, by the way, because I'm just a homer for my own picks, and I just would love to see this. This is Davis and OKC. Yes, that would be another great That'd one. That'd be fun. All right. Finally, David, prediction. What do the Suns do at the deadline? Ooh, I wasn't sure whether I'd get a question like this. Uh, in seven seconds or less. So I haven't thought about it too much. Um, but to keep it... Again, you can take more time. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it short. I think if you go back all the way to how we ranked the, the assets, I'll, I'll go with that. I think Troy Daniels will be off the team, uh, probably just for a second-round pick or something like that. And then I think there'll be one other major move. That's what I'm sensing out of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and... Oh, is it for a point guard? It's kind of the obvious move right now. So I'll say that they'll push some chips in for a point guard, Max. What that is, I've got no idea right now. We've we've thrown out a few potential options there, so hopefully we hit close to something. I agree with you. Uh, I'll call my shot because I'm less concerned about looking like a moron, I guess. <laughs> I will say Lonzo Ball will be a Phoenix Sun. By Love it. Time. I'll be happy with that. And I guess that throws to the end where we we normally talk about the next episode, which we will be doing a, a trade deadline review, or if something happens a little earlier, we may be doing a reaction pod, hopefully to something like Alonso trade, Max. That'd be fun. I hope at least something happens we have to react to. If not, we'll come on here and bitch about what we didn't do and talk about whatever else did. <laughs> yeah, the, the general NBA 
NBA section might be a little bit bigger based on what the Suns do. But yeah, I think I'm pretty confident there'll be something for us to talk about uh, next episode, Max. And uh, other than that, we've we've got some games against Atlanta, which you predicted a win. Uh, Houston, Utah, and Golden State Warriors all around the deadline. So uh, it doesn't get any easier. I predict zero wins for those games. <laughs> You're probably going to be okay with that prediction, Max. Maybe the only predictions I get right on this podcast. But uh, I think that's it for us. David, uh, are there any new reviews to shout out? There's not this week. So uh, let's uh, encourage anyone listening who hasn't rated and reviewed us recently or, or ever before to jump on iTunes uh, and, and give us a review. And uh, particularly if there's no Suns trades to talk about in the next episode, we'll definitely dedicate to reading uh, whole reviews out from listeners uh, or at least shouting them out next episode, Max. Especially if you use the term podcast boy in your review. If you say that, we'll definitely read it out. Long live podcast boy. <laughs> well, anyway, that's it for us. Uh, please rate and subscribe in addition to reviewing. We really appreciate it. We thank you all for listening. Thing. We hope you enjoyed our crazy fake trades. David, thanks for joining thanks, me. Thanks, guys, and good luck to the Suns at the deadline. Hope they don't screw it up like they did in 2015. See you guys.